Gorda, and we're we're uh, coming to everybody back in Michigan. So um, today, I want to continue. We're doing a series on Exodus. So some of you who have been following along, you can follow where we have been. It's taken me a little longer than I thought in Exodus, but uh, I've been enjoying it. I hope you have too. And really, to me, the story of Exodus is the story of God's people moving from Egypt and slavery and bondage to the promised land. So it's a simple story in that way, but it's a struggle. And uh, to me, this is um, a personal story. It's also the story of my life, and it's the story of your life, because all of us make this same journey. I think that's why it's in the scripture, because we all make a journey from bondage, things that hold us back, things that get us stuck, um, things that hold us down from being our best to promised land, which I will call the promised life. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10. I came that you would have life and have it to the full or have life in its most abundant form. So the life that God has for us is abundant and full. And that's the journey. It's the journey to get to that. And one of the things that we'll note as we go through the story in Exodus is Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And then he says, so God wants them to worship him. So we aren't just leaving Egypt. Now, everybody here, everybody has their own Egypt. Egypt is the thing that holds you down, the thing that has you stuck. We have mental patterns. Um, you know, um, we have uh, addictions. We have habits. We have hangups. We have things, tempers that we inherited from our grandpa. You know, we all have these things. And they're, they're our own Egypt. And we've been around long enough to know that there aren't just those people that have them, that we all have them. And so it's our journey. But to get out of Egypt requires this conflict. It requires Moses and Pharaoh going head to head. And that's what we're going to look at today. We finally get to the part in the story where Moses confronts Pharaoh. He says, let my people go so that they can go and worship God. So before we talk about the confrontation, I want to talk about the destination real quick. God doesn't just take us to freedom as an abstract thing. Like he wants us to go so that we can worship him. So instead of calling it freedom, I heard one person say it this way. It made a lot of sense to me. There's no such thing as absolute freedom. I, I didn't really understand it at first. What do you mean? There's no such thing as absolute freedom. He said, well, let's say, let's say I invited Rex up here to, Rex, we're going to play a game. And I said, Rex, it's your turn to go first. Begin. Well, the first thing that Rex wanted to know is like, well, what game are we playing? Well, that's so restricting. We wouldn't want to define what game. We just want to say we want to play a game. And you want to know what game. You want to know what are the rules. You want to know all that. But if you have too much freedom, you have absolutely nothing. In other words, you need a structure or you need a purpose. A purpose. And that's the whole thing. So I call this journey the journey to the promised life, the journey to fulfillment. So the promised land wasn't just a vacation destination. It wasn't, we're going to get you here, and then there's nothing else for you to do with your life. 
but it's so that you can serve me. And the whole purpose of getting to the promised land was so that you can serve and do God's work in the world. Another way of thinking of it is this. Um, it's moving from the place in your life where you wake up and you say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> That's what it was in Egypt. Good Lord, it's morning. Another day of making bricks. Another day of building storehouses for Pharaoh. We all, by the way, we all create our own Egypts as well. We, we can do it in many different ways. We can create our Egypt that we're bondage to our own uh, activities, our own desires. We can we can create enough debt in our life that we we're, we're a slave to ourselves. So it's it's getting out of the slavery and it's getting to freedom. But when you wake up in the morning and every morning it's good Lord, it's morning. I have to I have to endure another day. It's the opposite. It's good morning, Lord. Morning, Lord. And then it's this. This is the ultimate. What do you want to do today? This is my prayer for everybody, every single person, every one of you. When you wake up in the morning, you say, good morning, Lord. What do you want to do today? Why? Because that means you see your life as a partnership with God. What is God doing in the world? And what is your part? What part does he want you to play? That's, to me, fulfillment. If you arrived in some beautiful destination and everything's set for you and there's nothing for you to do, that's actually, I mean, you'll, you'll probably want to try it for a couple of weeks, but after a couple of weeks, you realize it's not that fulfilling, that God made us for a purpose. God made us to do something with our lives. And so the promised land is all about getting to that spot. So let's talk about the confrontation. Now, uh, how many went to Sunday school growing up? Anybody go to Sunday school? Wow, fantastic. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to attempt. I, don't, I didn't see how many people raised your hand there in Building C. Maybe I can get some feedback. Um, if you grew up going to Sunday school, where I went to Sunday school, you had to go an hour to Sunday school, and then you went to church. Did anybody else have that same experience? Yeah? All right. I'm going to combine them. All right? So you're going to get the cliff notes. But I'm going to talk about the plagues. I'm going to give you... Sunday school lesson on the plagues. This is Moses confronting Pharaoh. Then I'm going to give a little message. So here's the Sunday school summary of the plagues. There were 10. Each one of the plagues targeted an Egyptian god. So it was a way of Moses confronting Pharaoh. And each one of the plagues represented a god that they worshipped in Egypt. So it was like Moses taking them down one at a time. Second thing, and this is noted by people that really, really study these things, they're in three sets of three plus the last one, which we'll talk about next week because it's, it's uh, related to Easter. So there's three sets of three, and then there's the Passover, um, the, the firstborn. Then you'll note in the three sets of three, the first one, he goes to Pharaoh in the morning. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he's going down to the Nile. Confront him when he's in the morning going to the Nile. The second plague in the set happens at the palace, Pharaoh's palace. And the third plague comes without warning. Don't warn Pharaoh at all. So first he warns him by the river, then he warns him in the palace, and then he doesn't warn him at all. Three strikes and you're, you get warned and you get warned. Haven't we learned this in our life? 
God tried to warn us, tried to tell you. The other thing that you'll notice is that they're progressive. They kind of start with the water, and then they move to the frogs, and then the gnats, and then the flies, and then the livestock. And it, it culminates. And what it is, it's an undoing of all of creation. It's like God saying, you know all these things I gave you to enjoy? You can easily take them for granted. Who's done that before? Um, the first plague is water. So they have a boil alert all over Egypt, right? Because everybody knows what it's like when you don't have good water. All of a sudden, it is a major problem. You go about your day every single day. I brush my teeth. I get in the shower. I do this. Make my coffee. All assume the water is going to be fantastic. And whenever we travel, we learn this. If you go to Africa or places like that, you know, the most important thing you got to find first is water. Very first plague attacks the water. Attacks the foundation of life itself. So this is the, the how the plagues sort of work out. Um, first plague is the plague on the water. God uh, says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh that we are going to put a plague in the water. And when they do, it turns to blood, it says. And I think this is significant because if you think back earlier in the story of Exodus, um, do you remember when Moses was born and Moses' mother puts him where? In a basket, in the... Now, what we don't know, but what we could assume is that's maybe what a lot of moms did. Maybe what a lot of moms did is they held on to that baby as long as they could and then just gave that baby to the Nile, gave that baby to God. To just They couldn't hand them over and just watch them be murdered by these Egyptians. But how much blood of babies was spilled in the Nile? Maybe it was God showing Pharaoh, if you want to live your life that way, I'll show you blood like you've never seen before. And sometimes what we learn about life is that we endure and experience our own consequences. Or as one person said to me, God doesn't punish sin. Sin becomes its own punishment, right? You just keep following down the wrong path, and that's how things turn out. So this is the, this is the uh, confrontation that Moses has with Pharaoh. I want to read a little bit of it, if I can, for you today. Um. I'm going to read a little bit of this, the plague. The second one is the frogs. And I wanted to go in. Um, Ken, who did the message last week, him and I were talking about it. And, man, you could you could do every single plague, a whole message. But we're going to – he did an introduction and overview of the of the plagues. And I'm going to do a, a kind of a deep dive on, on one of them, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. This is the second plague. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go that they may worship me. Again, not freedom in a vacuum, freedom for a purpose, to worship God, to partner with God in the world. If you refuse, I will plague the whole country with frogs. The Nile will team with frogs. They will come up into your palace, your bedroom, onto your bed. Uh, into your houses and your officials and on your people, into your ovens and in your kneading troughs. Frogs everywhere. Frogs as they make their bread. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and the ponds and make frogs come upon the land. So Aaron stretched out his hand to cover the waters of Egypt with the frogs coming over, covering the land. Then, this is important to note, the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come upon the land. <laughs> In one way, it makes absolutely no sense, right? We already have way too many frogs, and then they match it with even more frogs. But it was Pharaoh's hardness of heart, which is going to be a key theme. If you ever read these, it says, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. It was his way of saying, it isn't that great. And he has an excuse to harden his heart. So Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. And I will let you go and offer sacrifices. So Pharaoh relents. Okay, pray that this happens, and then I will let you go. This is how a lot of prayers are structured, by the way. God, just answer this prayer, and I will do this, right? A really poor idea of God, but one that we've all adopted at one point or another in our life. God, please do this, and I will do this. Pharaoh makes this uh, agreement with Moses, and Moses says to Pharaoh, um, Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you. This is great. I mean, you should read these stories. Pharaoh, you set the time. I'll pray, and God will do it. And um, he says, tomorrow, Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord your God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials, and they will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses and the courtyards and the field. And they were piled up. This is really important. They were piled up into heaps. Big, massive piles of frogs, dead frogs. You, you can imagine the scene all over Egypt. They had to just keep piling up in different areas. And it just reeked. It just reeked with frogs. It says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. And he wouldn't listen. Isn't this the, isn't this the story? The pressure's off. The frogs are dead. Now we can go back to our, what? To our old ways. So I call this message the, the tug of war in our mind. And the way I've been looking at the Exodus story is this. God wants to take us to someplace better. But he has to conquer the Pharaoh in our head. Right? One person explained to me this way, and I never forgot. He said, don't think of Moses and Pharaoh out here. But why did God give us this story? Because you have Moses and Pharaoh in here. One's trying to take you to someplace good. One's trying to lead you, that voice in your head, trying to take you to the promised land, trying to take you to a fulfilling life. And the other one, stubborn Pharaoh. Oh, anybody got Pharaoh up in the brain? Hard-hearted. Um, scientists tell us that we have little grooves. Uh, I call them grooves. You can get a more technical term, but we have little thought patterns. They're like grooves in our brain. And they help us do a lot of things in life. Like uh, someone was telling me the other day, when you get in the car, you I, I did this because 
who has one of these anymore? <laughs> it kind of proves my point, right? Muscle memory. You don't even think about certain things that you do. You will get in the car, you will do like seven things and your, your brain uses like this much bandwidth because it's all automated. Isn't that incredible? Whoever here switched to a new car and you reach for the wrong thing like I just did because you got automated. You know, now we have the push buttons and you're doing this and <clears throat> that's a gift to us that makes our life simple. But it's also a curse. It's a curse in that we have patterns in the way that we think, the way that we handle a problem. This is how my dad handled problems, right? He slammed something on the table. He got everyone afraid. You know, this is how mom handled problems. She manipulated, you know, whatever it is, we, we inherit them and we, and we grab onto them and then they become a part of us. So to undo, this is the whole point today, everybody listen, to undo the things that hold us back, you got to get rid of, you got to conquer Pharaoh. And it takes 10 plagues back and forth and back. <coughs> There's progress. Can I have that water? Excuse me. Isn't it true? We make a little progress. Anybody here try to do something like, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Make some progress. Slide back a little bit. Then go forward and go back. It's a tug of war. But here's the good thing. It's a war that you can and you will win. God says to Pharaoh or to Moses, I'm going to get those people out of there. I'm going to defeat Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh in your head is going to be defeated. You have to believe and know that. You have to know that it's going to be a tug of war. There's 10 plays. It goes back and forth and back and forth. I don't know about you, but I like to succeed immediately. Anybody like me? I, got, I, want, to, I want to play pickleball. I want to succeed immediately. I want to be good immediately. Whatever it is I'm doing. I want to, I want, and that's human nature. And so what happens is when we set out to do something new, your mind's doing all the wrong things. My golf swing has all the wrong muscle memory, you know, all these things that you try to do. But what you have to do is retrain your mind. And the defeat of Pharaoh, what the plagues to me speak about are the battle that goes on in our mind. One of the plagues were the gnats. In the King James, um, they're fleas. <laughs> Tell you a little story about my mom came to visit and um, this was before we pushed down the cottage as little cottage and uh, it was great except my mom brought her dogs uh, and when she left with the dogs the dogs left some fleas and I had never had fleas in the house before anybody ever had this lovely experience <coughs> I mean, if you, I don't know what hell's like, but I think they have fleas because this was the worst experience. I mean, it, they just were everywhere. You couldn't get rid of them and, and they just hung on everything. And I bought every, every product that they had, I powders and, and, and then you, you couldn't sit down. You couldn't, you couldn't live in the house. And, it, and, and I kept buying more and more things. And then hiring more and more companies and they just kept multiplying and multiplying. Can you imagine the frustration of, 
these gnats and these flies and these frogs. And these, but you know what we will do? What's amazing about humans? If we're stuck in an addiction, and by the way, this might be for you. This might be for someone that you love who's trying to find their way out of their own Egypt, you know? But man, when you get stuck in an addiction, it's brutal. And the human mind will continue to justify staying there. Like Pharaoh kept justifying it. We get to one point in the plagues and Pharaoh says, okay, you can go, but don't go far. See how the mind always negotiates with you? Always wants to keep you close. The old Pharaoh mind, Paul called it the old mind and the new one, right? Leaving the old mind behind and embracing the new. That's what the Apostle Paul called it. Finally, I don't know, I think I, I think I hired the mother of all exterminators, right? And when those fleas finally left, I mean, I couldn't tell you, like, I just felt like a brand new person. And I remember, um, I remember the, uh, the day when they were gone and the relief that I felt when I thought about this story. You know, once they're gone, I immediately go back to what? Their old self. Everything's good. And that's what Pharaoh would do. Once the pressure was off, Pharaoh would go back. So let's say we're trying to get out of debt, you know, and all of a sudden we get a lucky break. And then once the pressure's off, we go back to our old spending habits. Or we're trying to change our attitude with our family. And once the pressure's off, we go back to our old patterns of speaking and our old ways of handling things. And what real change is about is this constant battle, it's constant confrontation to defeat Pharaoh. The greatest New Testament part I could think of is uh, Romans 7, where it says, Paul says, I know the things that I want to do, and I'm not doing them. And the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. But he says at the end, thanks be to God, he will deliver me through Christ Jesus. That Christ gives us a strength from the inside out to make the change, to become the people that he wants us to be. So if you've, be, if you've been in a back and forth in your mind, or you know someone that is, um, I want you to think about these plagues. Maybe you can read them over and over and over and over again. It goes back and forth and back and forth. The other day, um, you know, Charlie came up to me and uh, we were, you know, we were talking and she says to me, dad, dad, guess what? I said, what, Charlie, what is it? And she said, you're my favorite dad. <laughs> Hopefully I am her favorite dad. And I learned something about this little, this little brain. You know, everything that goes into the mind, she just absorbs. It's instantly saturated. It's just there. It's true. It's like sealed in. You know, little kids are like sponges, you know. Now, the truth is, I've told her that like a million times. So, you know, I am, I am brainwashing my daughter, right? And hopefully in a good way. But I am intentionally doing it. And what we learned, though, is we also get a lot of other things plugged in our brain. When we're young, we were told things. We believed things. We acted certain ways. We thought this is the way to handle a situation. We watched things, and that becomes a part of us. And undoing that 
is the battle of Pharaoh and Moses. It's the confrontation that keeps going back and forth. So if you've been brainwashed, and we all have, it's time to let God rewash your mind, right? Romans chapter 12 says this, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's how we change. We are our minds are renewed. We start to think differently and see life differently. And that's my prayer for all of you, all of us here, that uh, you're going to win that battle, that tug of war. Or the person that you're, that you're praying for that's going through it, you can be patient with them. You know, you can be prayerful with them, knowing what they're, what they're dealing with as well. So Gina's going to come for everyone in Wild Lake there. God love you guys. And I'll see you Sunday. See you next Sunday for uh, the, the egg drop. I'm looking forward to that. Gina, come on up and, uh, and close the service there. Okay. Live from Florida. How exciting was that? Yeah, that was great. We're happy that uh, we're able to reach more people in more places. Thank you guys here for helping us to make that possible. So would you all just join me in a closing prayer, please? Oh, Father God, I, I thank you for technology. I thank you for um, spreading your love and your light in all places that, Lord, this entire world will know your name and who you are by your glory, by your messages, by us by the joy that you spread in this world. Help us, Lord, to be the beacons of light for you, for your kingdom, and bring heaven from where you're at to where we're at. Lord, from that plane that we imagine it to be in our minds to right here on this earth. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask that you would bless this day, this week, and help us to fight those struggles and those demons and to give us muscle memory. In your holy name we pray, amen.